Welcome to the Three Thirds Rank, One Third Scouts podcast, episode number eight in week eight of lockdown. It is. Um, I'm joined by my uh, fellow co-presenters, Mr. Ross Smith and Mr. Simon Mann. How are we doing? Hello. How are you guys? I'm uh, I'm good. How are you, Cheezer? I'm very very well, thank you very much. Um, I thought I thought we'd start the week off by uh, discussing TV. As there's been, as there's been quite, a lot, I've watched quite a lot of TV in the last twenty four hours. Yeah. Um, so well, obviously, the, the big highlight was uh, was Mike Bassett, wasn't it? Well, I don't know if you can call it a big highlight. I. Um, it, so let's let's just before we get going, you've never seen Mike Bassett. I've never, I've, I've never seen Mike Bassett, so. The, I mean, the people that have followed us from from when we've all began on the radio, what would generally happen is something would um, relate back to Mike Bassett. I would sit there in silence for about five <laughs> minutes while you, while you two laughed uncontrollably at uh, uh, <laughs> a joke that you remembered from Mike Bassett. And I'd think, oh, I, I thought, I've never seen Mike Bassett. I thought, well, maybe I'll watch it someday. And I mean, it's, it's taken 35 years, but I finally watched it last night. And um, the, the classic... Film starts. I watched. Started to watch it after ten o'clock. I fell asleep after. I fell asleep after twenty minutes. Woke up forty minutes later. Thought I'll I'll finish this off in the morning. And um, I don't. I don't. I don't know what I, I watched it. And I thought was I supposed to find it really funny? I mean, some bits were funny, some bits weren't. But I was like, is this the greatest sports film ever made? And I was like, well, I, I didn't know. I think one of the problems is because you you've come to it late. I think. I, I watched it because I, I bought it on Amazon Prime. Um, so I watched it last night. But as I was watching it, I laughed because like of nostalgia reasons. But I, like I did think, I did think of you watching it for the first time. I did think, oh, I just don't know if it's going to work for cheesy. Like watching it in 2020, like 15 years after it's been released. It's not, it's not quite the same, is it? I'm astounded by this. So in my head, there are two types of people. There's people, think, <laughs> there's people that think Mike Bassett, England Manager, is an incredibly brilliant film. And there's people that just haven't seen Mike Bassett, England Manager. I've never met anyone who's <laughs> seen it, but just thinks it's okay. No, I love it. Like, I've just, let's just be clear. I love it. Yeah, because yeah. I think I watched it. I watched it when it first came out. Because I remember being at home, watching it on tape on VHS. I'm watching it then and finding it like, And even my dad, who's not even into football, he found it funny. But then I think if you come if you watch it now, I don't think it translates. Like, I just don't think you see the England set up in the same way as it, like as it was portrayed. No, yeah, I think the the bit where he put Smallsy in the ball, I was like, I was like, what is going on here? It's like I don't, I like the Lawrence, the Lawrence bit. That was the first bit. I was like, that's genuinely funny. Like I found that I found that quite funny. And the whole point of them reenacting the Pele and Maradona dribbles via the leads on the treadmills. I was like, what is, what am I watching here? And I was like, I just couldn't get that bit. But then it fast forwarded to like, fast forward to where he gets back on the, uh, where he get back on the coach and those fans are chatting dogs abuse at him. And then they start giving him tactics advice and he start and he start and I was like, this is, I, that was genuinely funny. I, I, I did have me in, 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 in fits of laughter, but it, yeah, it was just a bit few and far between. I think two, I think 15 years is not the, not necessarily the time to watch a film that was heavily based in the, the early 2000s. Did you, uh, did you enjoy the bit where he called up Lambert and Butler? 
Yeah. Well, the thing. No, Benson and Edges it is. <laughs> but the thing was, because you two spoke so many times, it wasn't new. I already knew that. It was cool. <laughs> You'd said that. It's just for that's but even like even when he calls him up and you go like he goes, who these where can you see Benson and Edges? When it cuts to the game. And he goes, all right, Edges, calm down. Go and warm up with Benson. And <laughs> <laughs> just two 45-year-olds. Uh, the, the other bit where uh, they're watching like the hooligans on telly and then it's the, cap- the captain. I can't remember what the captain's called. Uh, captain's Gary Wackett. Yeah, yeah, Gary Wackett, yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, my God. I just, I, I think it's I, I, it's, I do love it. But the best thing about it is when he starts um, reciting Kipling. Oh, that's a genuine, yeah, yeah. like that's a yeah, genuine yeah. like feel good moment of any film, no matter what it, no matter what film it's in. That's such a good, that's such a good moment. And the bit around where they're getting off the plane, and um, obviously they get to the semi-finals and all that kind of stuff, and they're getting off the plane. And when he comes out, and that bit of that just takes you back to any any team, whether it's England or whether it's anybody that's done well and. They're celebrating a trophy win. It just automatically takes back to that point in, in time. And you think, oh yeah, I can, I could, I could imagine <coughs> what it would, what it would have, well, what it would have been like to have been like that. So, I, I, I wasn't a bad film by any, but I, I could, I, because I watched it from the start. I was like, I didn't, I didn't quite know what to expect. I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't, ultimately knew what the story was. But then I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I, some bits, I, some, I, I think if I watched it again. And I wasn't trying to concentrate that much. I might have found it a bit funnier. Yeah, there's too much pressure on you to enjoy it, I suppose, <laughs> wasn't there in the end. After all these years, you couldn't I, have I a, know, an authentic experience. And there's loads of films, like, because I like, what, like watching films, there's loads of films that you know, like, you hear about them from the past, like um, The Godfathers and Alien and, like, Taxi Driver and things like that, that you go, oh, like, the masterpieces, like, you have to watch them, you have to watch them. But I, I, I like, I, I've, I own them on DVD, but I've never watched them because I think, oh, is it going to live up to what I'm expecting? Because it's so hyped up, it's so, it's you're told it's so good that is it ever going to be that? And I, I, I can understand why. But you are right to you're right to put Mike Bassett in with those list of legendary films. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A great cinematic moments. It's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realise. I was, I was glad you texted actually, Simon, because it reminded me that. So I, I, I tuned in. Well, what what else? So you so you're saying you started off disappointed. What else you watched? What did you watch that perked you up? Well, I watched uh, the Last Dance. I finished watching the Last Dance this morning, this this afternoon, and I thought because you'd said this morning you'd watched it, my gen, my normal routine was to watch it after we've done the podcast. But I thought if I do that, then I might, yeah. and then you might end up, you might end up. I don't know whether you were going to give some of it away or thought if, if it's out this morning, so many people have watched it. There'll be so many things I mean, on Twitter about it. I thought I'll have to try and watch it. It's so, like, the thing is, like, nothing nothing major happens in the last two episodes. It's like a, like a complete spoiler. You can find out if they won or not if you wanted to on the internet. Yeah. It's not a complete. But I just think, like, the whole... I thought, I thought the All or Nothing series... Like the, the American football ones, the one that City did, I thought they were unbelievable bits of sports documentaries in terms of like the amount of access and what you saw and this and that. But the the last dance has just took it to a whole new level, hasn't it? I, it's just been unbelievable. And Michael Jordan is an unbelievable character. His drive to succeed 
it's incredible. Like it is inspiring. So just to you can understand why he led the Chicago Bulls team to as as many victories as they did and to as many championship seasons as he did because he's like he's, even like watching it. I'm thinking I've got to go out and watch the NBA when it comes back on just to just to like it, it's just unbelievable. Can't, well, you, can't rate you see, it highly enough. You see the, the the drive of Jordan, which sort of comes through throughout the series. And you, know, and you can sort of watch that and think, oh, yeah, you can see why he achieved so much. But what you really see is uh, the partying of Dennis Rodman, and he still achieved quite a lot. Yeah, that's the other thing that's brilliant. Like, I, I, what's the, I always forget, Phil Jackson, that's the coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, like, they all praise him, like how good he is, but that, like, that is genuinely a great manager, isn't he? That he can understand each individual personality and let them do what they need to do to for them to get the best out of themselves. Because uh, uh, like an, uh, any other manager could have saw Dennis Rodman go off, like after the, go off to the WWE during the playoffs. <laughs> and could that could have been it. Uh, but uh, Phil Jackson just goes, yeah, okay. Right, kind of brush it over and then gets back and Dennis Rodman has one of the best games he's ever had the next game, doesn't he? So, have you seen that I, tweet I, going around uh, saying that Dennis Rodman's the ultimate, in, when he's off the clock, he's really off the clock, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once yeah, once he's signed out, <laughs> he's not thinking about basketball. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what else got me. Just, I mean, how Carmen Electra still looks very good for her age, doesn't she? Yeah, her and Obama both aging very well. Yeah, I that's like it, you could have just rewound twenty years, and Carmen Electra still looks the same. I thought that's incredible. But oh yeah, it was. I, I loved it. I got quite emotional at the end as well. Did you? Um, no, I, well, I watched it. I, I was trying to watch it, and I was trying to watch it before tea. So I had to keep checking. I had to keep checking. I couldn't like. I couldn't just be in the zone and watch it. So I was. I was pausing it and moving around and stuff like that. So I didn't. I didn't. I, I watched all of it, but I wasn't like. I wasn't completely immersed in it. Where I watched like forty-five minutes solid. So. Um, no, I, I. I think the. I think the thing about it at the end was about. Um, where he started talking about Steve Kerr and like like he had to almost stand up for himself and prove that he needed to be there and that like the ultimate like uh, Jordan accepting him was to give him that pass at the end where he, he shoots three and, and they win the game and, and you kind of think that <clears throat> there's sometimes where they all seem to know that it didn't really they, didn't, they just need to stand there and be decoys because Jordan was going to take it either shoot three or take it to the hoop or what, whatever he was going to do and then there's other times where they didn't quite know and they thought, well, if I, if I need to be ready, I need to be ready. And that he kind of coordinated everything that was going on with it. And they kind of almost knew, like, eyes closed completely what was going to happen. And, I, yeah, I, I, even like with, like, you think, like, you've got 1.1 seconds left in a game. And for football, that's just like, well, there's, I mean, there's, you, there's not much you can really do in 1.1 seconds, but to kind of get the ball, fake left, fake right, and then jump and shoot, and that's it. And that could be the difference between the championship or not. It's the pressure is just. I think one of them mentioned about scoring points in the fourth quarter or scoring points in the last minute. The pressure. Oh just yeah, insane. anyone. Yeah, right. anyone can anyone can shoot baskets in the first, second, and third <laughs> quarter. But when you get to the fourth quarter and there's minutes left, then you've got to do it. Then yeah, that's the. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big basketball fan, but it is a sport that it sort of lends itself well to you know really exciting sort of last second finishes, doesn't it? 
Yeah, this is what I, I'm not a big basketball fan, but that's uh, I, I just think the first and second and third quarter are just irrelevant. You yeah, might as well just it, play the fourth quarter. It should just be a 10 minute game, shouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it all comes down to that final 10 seconds then. Because that's inevitably what it does anyway, most of the time. The other thing is, I was watching it, and like I was thinking, oh, I've got to go out and watch Like it made me think, oh, basketball seems dead exciting. I've got to go and watch it. But then I also thought, but there's going to be no one like Michael Jordan to watch in it. You know what I mean? You're like, you've watched the whole documentary that goes on about how great one player is and how good he looks. If you start watching it now, like, maybe it's this, this Steph Curry, LeBron James, but they're still not at Jordan's level, are they? No, but I think there's, I mean, Jordan's, not, he, I mean, I think, can't remember how many MVPs he won. I think he won, I think he won five in eight years, I think it was. But he's not, he, like, he didn't win the most. He's not scored the most points. He's not, <clears throat> he's not won the most tournaments, so was, I think it's different. I think it's different. Yeah, so you'd see, like he was, he was, like, he was above everybody else. But I think now, when you watch football, it's the same with anything. Like, um, yeah, but that's no- that's the same. You can say he didn't win the most, but that's like, I mean, it's only like say, appreciating. I mean, it's different. But Roy Keane never won the most things, but his his drive in that Manchester United team was definitely one of the things that made him as successful as they were. Like it's it's not just no, but, no, but like, I, I don't think you you would never consider Roy Keane to be the greatest footballer of all time. I think people do do consider Michael Jordan to be the greatest basketball player. Yeah, no, I yeah, I'm, it was a bad example of what I was trying to say. Like <laughs> just because Jordan didn't win the most MVPs doesn't mean he wasn't the best of all time. Like he had lots of other things that made him the best of all time. That's what I was. Yeah, yeah, like, just going after stats alone wasn't. But I think, I mean, some of the things he did were almost, they were almost superhuman in them, them dunk contests in the early years when he was, I mean, jumping from the free throw line to, I was just like, that's just, that's just, just a, it's just undescribable un, un, sometimes. And like the, the, the situations that he found himself in. And I think with the exception of the time where he lost the ball, um, I, I think, it, I think it was in 96, I think it was when he, when they, when the, one of the years they didn't win, I think 95, I think it was when he, he lost the ball or somebody stole the ball off him. And, and, and I can't remember it was that ended up winning, but that was the one mistake that he made and it ended up costing, costing them the, the playoffs and stuff like that. So, but every other time he just seemed to, he just seemed to completely nail every single shot from the moment he started playing. To the to the moment to the moment he left, he was just he was just completely transformation for, for that. That, that the last dance was another. I it, it was a thing I was going into. Like I heard loads of buzz around it on social media, thinking, "Oh, I'll give it a watch," but it's not going to be that good. But by like three, four episodes in, I was I was hooked. It, I thought, oh, "God, this is unbelievable." Well, I, I, yeah. I've I've also started watching that for the Formula One documentary on Netflix as well. So I'd watch that. It? Uh, drive, drive to survive, or drive to success, or something like that. And even though I watched, I would say probably sixty percent of that F one season, or I, I knew most of the results from most of it, like the inner workings of how it all works, the drivers, the team principles, and, and all the stuff that goes on behind it, I'm like absolutely fascinated by it. It's completely, it's completely gripped me. Like whenever I've got like a free five minutes, I'll just watch another five minutes of it. Just no, like, I, oh, watch, I, could, I could never watch five minutes on, a, on its own. No, yeah, I've got to commit to episodes, surely. Uh, 
Oh, I can't. If I've got 10 minutes, I might watch another bit. Because it, it, it's not just necessarily based around one team, one episode. So, like, it might, you might be able to, like, a chapter in a book. So, you might be able to read, like, I don't know, five or six pages and get to a point in the story where then it moves on to something else and you can put the book down. So, you, like, if you were reading the book, you wouldn't necessarily read a full chapter at a time. You'd read that five or six pages. So, there's bits in times where it kind of stops. And you can kind of you, pause it and move on. We, we approach things very differently. If I'm reading a I, book, I, I read might... a chapter at a time. <laughs> do you, do no. you, how can you read one? How can you read a few pages and leave it? I think if you got well, if you got to a point where you knew it was going to stop and you could you could keep in your head where you could pick it up from, then yeah, the end, you of, could, that's uh, the end of a chapter usually. Well, not necessarily. What, what do you do, Simon? Well, so normally I'll be I try and do a chapter at a time. Although increasingly, I find my, my concentration spell just doesn't last. So I've only got. Uh, sometimes I'll be reading, I'll be thinking, I'll be look, and then I'll think, God, it's, it's ages till the end of this chapter, and I'll just, I'll just find an out point. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, something I really noticed during lockdown, I tried to get back into reading, and um, yeah, my concentration just is gone completely. Need to try, maybe need to try and build it up somehow. But uh, yeah, so yeah, but, but normally I'll do a chapter at a time. I, I, normally I wouldn't watch a, a five minutes out of context of a TV, if it was a TV show I actually Me- liked. Yeah, maybe five minutes. I mean, all right, say 15 minutes then. It's normally we're putting the kids to bed. So if the kids are going to bed and Esme wants me to sit at the top of the, top of the stairs for five minutes before she drops off, then I'll just take the iPad up and I'll just watch it until she drops off. And then if it's like out of 15 minutes, I'll just give it a rest and then come back downstairs. So maybe five minutes was probably a, a, a bit too short. Tell you what I've watched in the last week while we've been, uh, since we last chatting. I've gone through the whole first series of Ozark. Oh, I didn't like that. No, so I, I'd heard in a few places that it was really good, and it's is, so that it's the all, one about the, is that the one about the hidden drugs? Yeah, so it's, it's like these money laundering. It's about like money laundering. Well, uh, right, and this okay. guy, has to, it's on Netflix. The first yeah, season yeah. is like ten episodes long. I, I, I so yeah, I was a bit. It's, it's just a bit dark, and like there's no real levity to it. So it's just a bit dark, and yeah, but then so. And I basically about four, about five, six episodes in, I felt I've sort of committed to this first series now. I'll get to the end of the first series and then stop. But then the last episode of the first series was really good. So I'm tempted to give the second series a go now. But yeah, I mean, I I had higher expectations for it because it was exactly the sort of thing I'm normally into, but it was, it was underwhelming. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I I didn't enjoy it. I say, well, I have been watching, which I've really enjoyed, is that Money Heist on Netflix. Have you heard uh, that? Which one's that? Is that the documentary it's, type one? No, it's a Spanish drama. But it's like, is, it in, is it in Spanish? Yeah. Oh, I can never be doing with... <laughs> My thing's out in like, English. It's, like, it's in the top ten on Netflix in the UK at the minute. So it's yeah, not just some so... weird. It's not just some weird obscure <laughs> thing I found. Yeah, <laughs> it is really good. And you kind of like, but I don't mind watching foreign language films anyway. But you don't realise after a while. But the, like the drama, the action keeps you. It's quite tense. Keeps you going. I but originally though it came like on when it comes up it said uh, four parts. So I thought, oh, four episodes. No wonder it's in the top ten. Everyone's watching it. Only four episodes to get through. So at first I watched like a nailed to three episodes. I got to the fourth one and I thought, well, I might as well finish this off here. 
it's got to come to an end. I got to the fourth one and it carried on. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> so I looked at the episodes and more bit. It's got four series. I was like, oh. I didn't... <laughs> if I want to know this at the start, I might not have signed up. So it's like, I've got like another 30 episodes to get through, but I'm committed oh, now, no. so we're in. So yeah, but that, that's well worth a watch. Yeah. And you done anything else other than watch TV? Um, I did my first 5K on Saturday night. Oh, yeah? Um, what, so, yeah. What, well, what, I, I, what time did you do that in? 20, 26 minutes. That's decent, that, Cheddar. So, I'd, we'd walked, I can't remember, what, we'd, we'd walked a couple of different routes in the last couple of weeks. Um, and I can't even remember how it came up about. I think it's just because I'd started running. Um and Ashley said, oh, it's, we've walked like, I don't know, our, our X amount of kilometres or X amount of miles. And I was like, oh, is that, is that how close is that to 5K? And she said, oh, it's like 5.1K. Like I was like, oh, well, I might, I might run that then. And then I, I think a couple of days later, I thought, well, I'll run it and see, and see what happens. I thought, if I get, if I get like half an hour, like, that'll be great. Um, so this is 26 uh, minutes with no training? Well, I've done like I've 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 done I'd probably say 80, 90 percent of the days I've done like Joe Wicks, and then there's a couple of days where I've done like Joe Wicks, and then I've gone I've I've gone for a run like to the bottom of Junior's Junior's Lane and back. But I've not I wouldn't necessarily say that I've I'm not exactly training for a five k no. Yeah, so, do, I mean, so you found you found because I remember you chatting about this the other day, and your sort of your reluctance was built on. There wasn't a nice sort of route for you to run. You just had to sort of run along the main road and then back along it. Well, I, when I started to run, <clears throat> I was like, I, I was like the, the one thing I really didn't want to start doing was running down a massive road because I was like, if I just keep going one way, like the route that I ended up running, it's, it's too far. Like if I try and run that, I know I'm not going to get there. So I, I gave up. I, I didn't. I didn't think anything of it um, for a couple of weeks. And then the more and more I did, so I more and more did some running. I was like, I could, I can't, I wouldn't be able to do Joe Wicks and then go and do it because I, I, I like I'm, I, I was struggling. But I thought I didn't do anything on Friday. I thought right, I'll go for a run Saturday night. I thought when the kids are in bed, I'll just go for a run Saturday night. And I thought I might as well do it. Let's, let's see what I can do, and, and we'll give it a go. So it was quite. So I ran down Jumas Lane, ran up past Jungle Mayhem, up like the school that I went to, back onto Manchester Road, and then back up to. Jimmy's Lane and then back down Jimmy's Lane and back home. And then I'd, I'd done it where I like, well, I'll get to the bottom of the road and then if I need to stop, then I can stop. Then if I get to the next road, then if I need to stop, I'll stop and I get to the next road. And I managed to get all the way around to Manchester Road without stopping. But then I was like, I had to stop for like almost like two minutes. I just, I could hardly breathe. And then this young lad came running past me and my Michael Jordan senses just took over. I was like, there is no <laughs> there is no way this young lad's running past me. There's no way. So I, thought, I won't make it look too obvious. Ran across, ran over the other side of the road. And I thought, and I thought, I'll just, and my stomach was still hurting, but I'd managed to sort my stomach out by then. And then I just ended up, I ended up going past him and then back down Jimmy's lane. And then I was, I was in pain, like the last line, 100 yards. It, my stomach was absolutely in pieces. But after that, I was, I, I was kind of all right. So, but yeah, so I'm just tempted not to overdo it. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything yesterday. But I think I might. I don't know. I might. I might do one every couple of weeks or something like that. But I've never. I've never done one. It's never been. Never been on my radar to go running or anything like that. So I thought, well, I've never done to know any difference other than like six months ago when I tried to run to my mum's and I couldn't even get like up the top 
to the top of the road. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm doing all this. If I'm to the bother doing some exercise, and I might as well find out if it's actually working. So I just thought I'll do it and see where I get to. And the power of Joe, would you say? Yeah. As far as I did do. So I thought, there's no way I'll be able to get out. I thought, I won't get to here. I won't get to there. And I just kept on going and going. I think once I got into rhythm and once I got my breathing, my breathing was fine. I was all right. So I can't get Last time I did a 5K, it took me 35 minutes. Oh, I'm missing a bit better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been doing Joe I just, turned, I, just put, I just put the stopwatch on my phone, left my phone next to the radiator, like obviously locked the door. Um, Ash was in the front room anyway. And then I just, I didn't, I didn't have a watch or anything to take, I take my phone, didn't, I didn't have any music, didn't have to take any water or anything like that. But the bit, like the hardest bit was like probably three quarters of the way was to just keep going and keep running. I think once I got into a rhythm, I was all right. But then if I didn't breathe properly or I had to move or check traffic and stuff like that, I didn't keep going. But I don't know. Maybe it's something I'll carry on doing. I don't know. I, and I'm saying all this. When we go back to work, I might not be able to do any of this. So it might be a Oh, you'll be knackered and you won't be, <laughs> you won't be in the mood. I'm going to sleep night every night, so it won't make any difference. But I thought, well, well, well it might, might be worth yeah. it. So, Right, shall we move on? So we're going to talk about Project Restart and where we are up to this week with the news uh, breaking today that uh, the Premier League has said that um, we... Uh, Training will begin, uh, short team training will begin tomorrow. Um, do we think that's a step in the right direction, Ross? Well, I mean, it's a step in the right direction for getting Premier League football back, isn't it? Um, I still think we're, we're a long way off from, like you said at the start, that maybe the 12th of June does seem a bit early for, for all that to happen because... Um, I think I was reading that Newcastle said they're going to make sure that all the everything they use is disinfected regularly. Um, all the players are going to wear uh, schnoods to to training. You can, you're not there's not it's not close. They're not allowed close training. Are they just allowed small groups at the minute. So I think they've yeah. still got to keep social distance while they're training. So yeah, although you can they can get back together and get on a pitch potentially together. What they're, they're all they're going to essentially going to do is pass to each other. They're not going to be putting any real serious drills in on any any set piece workings or anything. So it's yeah, it's a step in the right direction getting people or footballers back to some kind of routine and doing something. But I think there's a lot of uh, hoops that are going to have to be hurdled and jumped through to to get anywhere close to actually getting um, games back. But um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Simon? Yeah, I mean, it's exciting if they've worked out a way they can do it safely. Then I think they've all, all the players are getting tested now quite regularly. So, I mean, it's quite a positive move and, and hopefully it'll, uh, it'll be a success. And I think Raheem Sterling's been saying that, you know, they do need some time to train and, and build up uh, sort of fitness again before going into matches. I, I think the German, in Germany, that the players had like six weeks training before they actually played at the weekend. And the Premier League are talking about five weeks. So, so I suppose as soon as that can start, the better. As, as long as it can be done in a in a safe way, and they seem to they seem to be confident that they can do that. So yeah, I, I think it's a, a positive move. I think one yeah. of the uh, one of the things for me just is um, obviously these like they've, they've agreed that it's, it's safe to do so and uh, this and that. But obviously, there's been a lot of talk before this announcement was made that players have concerns over their own safety and 
quite a few players have been quite outspoken in terms of like Danny Rose has been quite outspoken, Troy Dina, lots lots of players have said things about uh not particularly wanting to get back to playing quite as soon as as soon as they can. Um what was I gonna say? I forgot my point. <laughs> uh oh that's an absolute disaster. It was going to be a great point <laughs> as well. well. What were you going to say about people being, being pressured into coming oh, back? Oh, yes. Yes, I was, yeah. People being pressured into coming back. And uh, what's it? Um, some, someone high up in one of the Premier League clubs has said that uh, if they refuse to train, then they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be paid, which I think is oh, a bit... It? Yeah, which I thought... I mean, it's in, they've not named whoever it was. it was. It was broken as a source within a Premier League club has said um, that this should happen. But I just thought that's... That really, that I think that's that's a really negative thing to say that could set things back because, and it really puts like a, a bit of a dark cloud over actual football coming back. If you think that football has been pressured into doing it and they're not happy to do it, and they're only doing it because they have to do it to get paid, it seems. I, that, it, I it just I, I think that came out today, so I that I just didn't like that. I just thought that doesn't sit right in terms of. Yes, we all want football to be back up, but to be half threatening players that they. Might not get paid if they if they don't return to training because they like are a bit worried about the safety and have safety concerns. Then I think that put a bit of a damper on it. But there you go. It was a good point in the end. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, you, as you kind of both alluded to before, like the big the the biggest hurdle is obviously going to be. I think tomorrow they're going to release the results of. Well, I, I don't think they're going to release individual results, but teams will release results of how many people have been tested and um, whether any players have been are, are positive. And you kind of think that there's no team is going to be doing um, training ground short team training if one of the um, if one of the players is, is tested positive at all. And it makes you think that what what would actually happen with that team if that they all have to well whether they all have to self isolate. You think that most I think most players for most teams have been back in. To the training ground now, which would have mean they would have roughly been in contact with one another. So, if they are they are self isolate for fourteen days and they're not they're doing any more training, and whether it's going to put them back, whether it's going to put things back another another two weeks. Um, I mean, just I mean, just before we move on to the, the Germany stuff, the the comment from the comment from Graham Sooners this morning to say that he would wow. just hide a, hide a positive test, I thought was absolutely crazy. Yeah, I was going to bring this up and say like I I, I again I thought. He must be desperate for football to come back just so he can get paid to do some terrible punditry on the whole situation. But saying something like that, again, you just think, what planet are you living on in terms of like, you want, like, there's a real trust issue at the minute in terms of the whole nation. But like, everyone's a bit unsure and uneasy about what to do and what they can and can't do and what things are good and what things are bad. And then, to come out and say that, oh, if I was a footballer, I'd hide a positive test result. And then you think that football might be coming back. And you just think, God, that's an absolutely crazy statement to make, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah I, it's, I, stupid, it's, a, it's a stupid thing to say. And it's a really reckless thing to say as well. You know, I think like public safety sort of depends on people being honest about if they've got, if they've had a successful, if they've had a positive test, you know, they need to self-isolate for the, for the greater good of people. So it's not necessarily about his drive to play. I mean, it'd be putting a lot of people at risk if he, if someone was to hide a test, it's a bit like sort of giving a platform to an anti-vaxxer. I mean, you know, they probably should, they shouldn't really. I don't think it's right to be putting that sort of stuff out there. If you're saying something so stupid as that, no, I I, I totally agree. I, I, just I mean, think... the, 
the thing was, it's, it's, it's not likely to happen, is it? Because I think the clubs are going to end up doing it. The clubs will want to know what, what the test results are. It isn't as though he's going to be sent into the cubicle on his own to do his own test and he can just make it up just to, to this to this, yeah. to this <laughs> trust him to just go into the toilet cubicle and come out with I don't know somebody else's pee or whatever it is like that he's not so I, I, it will, ultimately will never ever happen but yeah it was just, I just thought from for the platform he's got it was just a strange thing to say um, and then to Ross yeah but I just think I just think it's I just think it's two bad messages that uh, potentially high profile people within football have sent out to the rest of the society that one, you can force people back to doing work if you have whole wages. And then two, if you have tested positive, well, if you want to get back, just, just hide it and get back. Yeah. Like, I just think it's a very it's a very negative message to send at the start of this whole process when people are wanting football to come back, but they want it to come back in, in the right situation. And I just think it, it, it to me, it knocked it a little bit. But. Well, I mean, the flip side of it is probably what's happened in, in Germany this week, where obviously they've started playing again this weekend. Everything seems to have run absolutely smoothly time and there doesn't seem to be any issues at all yeah so far so good i mean it, it seems to uh, well yeah the, the big issue about football coming back though do you see the story in south korea i mean they they tried to <laughs> try to fill the stadium with fake fans and uh, tried to buy mannequins but accidentally bought sex dolls so, that, uh, so that's the one the one hiccup i have seen globally but in germany it all seemed to go pretty smoothly and you know I watched one of I mean, the games. But... My question, yeah, my question, because I've seen the pictures of the of the sex dolls uh, in the stadium, and they're all dressed, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, who who was the who was the person that found out that they weren't just mannequins? They were sex dolls, and what were they doing at the time to find this out? Well, yeah, good point. Good point. Clean, <laughs> maybe cleaning them. I don't know. Like. <laughs> Well, why, why do they need clean? It's not like they got rowdy and chucked beer everywhere, is it? I just think it's a bit... You've got to question the person who broke this story. Like, what were you doing to find this information out? <laughs> and the best part about it was, as well, is, is they were all social distancing as well. They were all like they were all like two, three metres apart, weren't they? Whereas I think one of the German clubs, I think it was Mönchengladbach, had, um, had, you could buy a, a cardboard cutout of yourself. And they, I think there was, I think there was eleven or thirteen thousand. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a, that was a good idea. At least it looks like there's a crowd there. Um, but yeah, I watched the I watched the Dortmund game on uh, Saturday afternoon, and it, it it was like it threw me back to my have I got news for you. It was a tough watch to begin with. I couldn't. It was like a really I couldn't get my head around it. Um, more often, more more often than not, when Dortmund scored, I couldn't tell whether it was a goal straight away because there's no crowd behind to so just that. Like some of the times I thought it had just gone behind and they just turned around and they, they just decided to just go back to the middle again. It was a goal kick. It's just a strange I mean really strange scenario. The only the only thing you can say is when um uh, when Harlan scores, the noise that net makes <laughs> yeah. that's very distinctive, isn't it? Oh yeah. It, he's hit a few and he makes that noise. I think, wow, that is an incredible noise. Absolutely love it. Yeah. I did what like I was excited to watch it, and I, I did think, oh, I should watch this. And no, that's what happened during the week. I got my uh, weed burner, didn't I? Which is essentially a mini flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, the chance to play with a flamethrower overtook the, the need to watch football at the time. But yeah, so I didn't know what it was like. But I have, I don't know. I mean, the question because you two watched it. How do you think? Like you, you put up with it because it was a one-off, or do you think you could? Do you think you'd, you'd still settle into it, knowing that this was going to be there's, there's another nine games to watch of 
or potentially, well, you might watch more. It might be 15, 20 games to watch behind her with no odd, with no crowd. What do you think? What, I, think it'd what be? I found was I had to like really concentrate on it. As I mentioned earlier with the reading, I'm not great. My concentrating is not. So I couldn't, you couldn't like me like flicking through Twitter and casually sort of have it on in the background. Because it must just be the case that the sort of you just, when I'm passively watching football, you just sort of following the, when the crowd really get up, you think, oh yeah, I'll. I'll concentrate again now. So like, it'd be all right if it's a game I actually want to sit and just watch. Like, if it's a, a Man United game, then maybe I would just sit and watch it. But I probably won't carry on watching these German games. And, and yeah, I think it, it's sort of I, the sort of level of football where it's like my casual football watching level, I'm not sure really works in, in an empty stadium. I think it was the get. I think it was that game as well. If it was, I don't know. Um, I, I, another one of the games that was on. I think if it was just Leipzig. Uh, I think Leipzig played Freiburg. I think if the, I think if that was the only game that was on, I don't know whether I would have watched it as much. I think I watched about eighty minutes of the of, of the Dortmund game, and um, I think if it wasn't Dortmund, I might not have watched it all. But yeah, I think it. And it, but it, it almost didn't feel real. Like it, I wouldn't have said that at the end of that game that one team was going to get three points and one team. What it just didn't. I just, yeah, it just didn't. It, it just, I could start watching a training game. It didn't feel like watching. Well, this was my other thoughts on um, football coming back behind with no crowd. How long do you think it'll be before like uh, pressure on managers reappears? And do, do you think it'll? Do you think managers will get more time because there's not a crowd to? influence people's decisions. Well, yeah. And you're purely watching the football. At the moment, it, it did feel a bit like you you were just sort of watching a bit of an exhibition game. Like, it didn't feel like it was a real, a bit like cheesy say, it didn't feel like it was like a real competitive match. But I suppose it will get to a point where a team will be in a bad run of form and, and you know, relegation will be looming and they'll, they, they probably will, you know, will have all the usual uh, dramas. And, you know, the drama off the pitch is the one thing that you can, you can still have. So you can still have Wild transfer room. Yeah, but you, that's what I'm saying. Do you reckon that'll still happen as quickly? Because obviously, if 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 you're turning up and watching your team lose every single week, then it tends to be a lot of a booing start happening. But if you're if you're watching the football and you can say, oh, you know, actually they've not played badly. It's just they've got beat by the odd goal here and there. They've put in some. They're just not clicking. Do you think? Do you think there'll be a bit more like time afforded to managers because there's not that it doesn't seem to be like there'll be that external pressure put on. Yeah, I suppose, to do something. I suppose you're not losing the crowd. Out. But equally, maybe it'll be the case that actually teams will be played. Teams will be playing quite badly at home. But you think if, when you're there because the crowd are so just sort of cheering their team on, it's maybe not as obvious just how badly a team is doing. I think as well. It, yeah, it, the it, flip start, yeah. It depends who's on the telly. I mean, James Richardson was hosting. Rafa Hogenstein was in, in, in the studio and Owen Agrees was 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 on his couch at, at home. It wasn't like it wasn't like we were watching Soccer Saturday and you had Neville and Carragher and Keane and Souness fighting over one another to tell you how badly the, the football was that they just played. And Dave Jones is in, in the middle trying to mediate what the hell's going on. I don't think it, I think if you would have ended up like they would have absolutely hammered that Schalke side because they were horrifically bad. Like it, it was that they were just so bad. But I think because everybody was just so happy to watch football for two months, I think the way that everything's kind of changed is not is is a little bit different. I think the the managers at the bottom of the league, it will be it looked upon slightly differently. I think this year compared to what it would have been last year. 
I don't think there'll be quite as much pressure on them because there isn't there there isn't that there isn't that crowd, especially especially at home. If you end up getting beat four 0 at home, um, and you're Brighton or West Ham or whatever, you, like especially at West Ham, we would just got booed off the park. But the, what's going to happen now is they're just going to come in. Nothing nothing's really going to happen unless they get questions about it in the post match interview. Yeah, it was just something I thought of. Like, just some, as it occurred to me that football's back, and obviously, like, team, you start seeing results and teams winning, teams losing. Then, obviously, how long before? I know, like, some teams were on bad runs before lockdown even started. So then, just do you, do you bring into the, do you bring that form into this period of time? Like, does it does it relate anymore? Is it the same? Can you? Well, I think there was a point, wasn't there, Steve McManaman mentioned about the uh, Schalke's current form and, and everybody packed up on Twitter and said they haven't played for two months. I was like, I'm not quite sure you can oh, yeah. for our current form. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it was. And, yeah. and the other thing was, because there was five subs, I think Schalke made all five subs. So in the second half, it was just constant. Like It felt like every five minutes there was a sub coming on. So that, that didn't, I don't think that helped the game. It definitely didn't help Schalke. And then, literally, as it got to ninety minutes, there was no, there was no idea of extra time. The referee just blew the whistle at like ninety minutes and one second, and they just went off. So I think they were just kind of like, "We look, it's four 0 now. We just need to. There's no point staying out any longer. We need to kind of we need to get out." So I think when the yeah, and and even for a, even for a derby game, it was I mean like a normal derby game, and on fifty, sixty thousand in 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 that stadium. Um, like baying for each other's blood like that just it just it was just a bit strange because like even the celebrations like when Haaland scored the first goal back from football they were just kind of stood two metres apart and didn't really say anything other than I think it was uh, I'm not sure what team Dedrick Boyata plays for but apparently he went over to somebody and kissed the person that scored so I was like it's not really what you're supposed to be doing Dedrick <laughs> uh, but yeah I think I think it was other than that it was kind of it was kind of great to. It was. It, it. It feels like it's gone much smoother in Germany than it than it than it than it is over here. But I feel like I almost felt there's more scrutiny on football over here than than than, than Germany anyway. So we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what what it kind of looks like. But um, hopefully, a step in the right direction. I mean, the other the other news about um, Celtic have been awarded the title, haven't they? They have. Yes, nine in a row. Hearts relegated. Nine in a row. Hearts relegated, yeah. So, other leagues are... I mean, that's... I mean, when Scottish FA started doing that, then... I know. I mean, it's very similar to what is happening here, isn't it? The Celtic were underway with it a bit and they've been awarded it, so... Well, didn't... Have, I don't know, you can say... Didn't they say that League 1 and League one and League 2 have technically... League 2's been cancelled, hasn't it, as far as I'm aware? Not sure whether League One, yeah. League One's been cancelled, but have they said as well that they're done a scrap relegation? Is there nobody coming up from the National League? Is that is that? Well, yeah. So it, at the bottom of League Two, Stevenage have been cut adrift, I think, and they are miles back and would sort of. I, I don't think they were actually relegated yet, but they were sort of certain to get relegated, pretty much. And Barrow are flying in the conference, and you know, uh, were sort of pretty much nailed on to get promoted is my understanding of it I've not looked at the table today but so it's one of those things where you know if we have I mean it hasn't hasn't changed for a while so just... <laughs> <laughs> it's not been updates over the weekend <laughs> good point yeah <laughs> um, 
but yes, I think it's one of those situations where if they suddenly decide that Stevenage gets to stay up and Barrow don't get to go up, it'll be a bit of a controversy. But I think, I think is it not all sort of slightly helped out by the fact that Berry went bust? So presumably there is sort of scope yes. for a team to come up and you don't have to actually send anyone down. Well, what I think what was going to happen was there was only going to be three teams relegated from League One. So Bury would obviously because Bury's dropped out. So the and not normally four get relegated from League One. It would have only been three. So four would have four would have still gone up. Um, and then I think there was only one going to get relegated from League Two. I think where normally two yeah. go down. And I think that's how the that's how it would have all um, that's how it kind of all would have worked itself back out again. Um. But yeah, I mean the thing is, if Barry would have held on for it, if Barry would have held on for another six months, would have been would have been in the same boat as practically most others. They'd have kind of been, they'd kind of been all right. They might have got a bit of a bailout, but well, yeah, well, if they cancelled the season, you think maybe that'd be scope for Barry to be like, well, yeah, we'll we'll start again in September. Yeah, I think there's there's quite a lot of like so many different things that's happening with Barry at the minute. Whether or not when or not any of it gets off the ground or not, I don't I don't know. There's far there's far too much political stuff going on about. Um, who owns what? What's going to happen? Um, yeah, it's, that, that's definitely another convers- a conversation for another podcast. Not 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 necessarily today. Um, but I, 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 I mean, I do the best just, thing that I was going to say was like if if obviously teams do go down from the Premier League and teams come up from the Championship, then what's going to happen in, if League One's been cancelled and nobody's going up? Um, then what's going to happen with the relegation of the Championship? Is that going to work? I think there's there's three points. So I thought I thought with League One. So in League One, I think there are six teams that want to carry on playing. But I think what they're proposing is they stop the season and whoever's in the top two go up. Or whoever's in the top three go up. I think that's the proposition. So not necessarily that they would cancel, more that they would just oh, finish yeah. with where they're at. And the playoffs and the teams in the playoffs will play. I think that was well, what I'd that was what I'd heard about. Yeah, they're they're the only teams that will end up playing is the teams that have got the teams that are in the playoffs now. So the issue in League One is, I think there is it's very tight. So I think Coventry are at the top and quite comfortably, but then I think basically second to eight has about two points in it. So all these teams still think they've got a chance of automatic promotion, so they want to play out. I mean, this this is making the third series of Sunderland till I die like over to the tip it over the edge. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. What? Just, <laughs> just when you wanted an extra plot twist, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's chaos, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure we'll. Uh... I mean, the other the other thing I read, just which isn't football related, but I don't think we're gonna have a chance to get it in any time later. Is uh, the cricket? They're talking about uh, you're not allowed to spit on the ball to get it to shine. No, yeah, and uh, which will obviously then that that'll change things massively then because that's obviously. I mean, the Aussies will be fine because they'll get the sandpaper out, won't they? Yeah, but... well, these Australians were ahead of the time when it came to uh, finding alternative <laughs> ways to shine the ball. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. One, of the, I just thought that was... one of the many complexities. It's, the, it's, the, it's things like that you don't think about in terms of sport as well, isn't it? That how small, tiny things that have a big impact, you might suddenly change the game forever. Yeah, massively, massively. Potentially. Right, well, we'll have some more Project Restart, I would assume, next week. Um, and then we'll be back after this.
Welcome back to the Three Thirds Night, One Third Scales podcast, where we're going to round off this the podcast this week with a quick game of higher or lower. Now, how this is going to work is I am Quizmaster once again. Um, and going back to my usual appearances and goals chat that I love so much, um, Ross and Simon will pit their wits to see which one is higher or lower. Now, I tried to, I tried to make this um, as easy as I could do for you with, and try to make it as hard as I could do at the same time. So we'll see how we get on with it. So it's easy and hard at the same time? It's easy and hard at the same time. And I'm hoping that will be um, realised in a minute when, when, when I tell you the reasons why. So the first, the first player is how many appearances he's had in the Premier League. Yeah? The we second, just have to guess. Well, this, you, wait a minute. The second player <laughs> is, is, how, is how many goals that they have in the Premier League. So obviously, I can't put, I couldn't put Gareth Barry in with over 600 appearances because nobody's got 600 goals. So that would have been really easy. So the um, the appearance, the, like the appearances are less than 150, and the goals are more than 50. If that makes any sense. Right. Okay. So basically, we're, it's basically a game of higher or lower. Has someone scored more times than somebody's appeared, appeared in the Premier League. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Just before we get into it, have any of you, <laughs> have any of you seen the picture of Ashley Young? With hair? With hair? No. Yeah. His oh, little fro that he's got going on. It's incredible. I just assumed, <laughs> I just assumed he, he was bald. bald. <laughs> yeah. But he's got a fine yeah, hairline. Yeah, it's a bit of a surprise. I don't, yeah. but yeah, I think the fact that I mean it isn't it isn't weird to see a man with hair, but the fact that he's been <laughs> he's been playing football for twenty years in this this country with no hair <laughs> does make it feel like a bit of a shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, so yeah, I'm ready for the quiz. That lockdown in Italy is doing its job then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, uh, so Simon, do you want to toss a coin? Uh, yeah, heads or tails, Ross. Uh, I'll have heads, please. Uh, uh, this was... I want. Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear it. Oh, it was tails, mate. Yeah, but landed, I didn't hear the coin. Landed on my sofa, so it would have soft oh. impact. Soft, <laughs> soft on a cushion. Yeah. A duck, duck feather filled <laughs> cushion. <laughs> but yeah, you were lucky there. You were lucky there. Yeah. You had a, you had a one, one, one in two chance of it landing on your side, didn't you? <laughs> Okay, right. So you can both answer the question because I mean, it depends whether you, whether you both agree or you both disagree. So I've got I've got ten. So we'll see how we get on. So the first one, to kick us off, is Luis Suarez's Premier League appearances and the goal scored by Dion Dublin in the Premier League. Which one is higher? Which one is lower? Oh right. So we're not getting a, we're not getting any stats. We're just not getting, not getting any stats. No. So I reckon Luis right. Suarez has played more than Dion Dublin scored. No, I'm. How that's many the, seasons? That's the question, isn't it? Yes. Well, how many? The, the question. Well, working this out is how many seasons was Suarez at Liverpool? Was it three, four? Um, well, so three, but three, but like he, one of the games, one of the seasons, didn't start until November, did he? So why was that? Should I? Because uh, he bit somebody. <laughs> 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 and he also didn't get he also got signed in January 
Okay, so three. So that means he, he at most he's played 140. So yeah, I'm going to say Dion Dublin scored more than Suarez. Yeah, Simon, do you, do you agree or disagree? Uh, no, no, I was, I was going to go the other way around. Are we playing against each other? Right, so yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Suarez has played more than Dublin scored. All right, okay. So Luis Suarez has played 110 times and Dion Dublin scored 111 goals. Boom. So it's Dion Dublin. So Ross takes the first point. Even playing as a centre back, Dion Dublin could do it. So I mean, what, when I watched some of the goals back from from the Dion Dublin had a had a proper right foot on him. Uh, next one. Um, so appearances from Mark Overmars in the Premier League and goals from Jamie Vardy in the Premier League. I mean, just going back to the last one, you should have said Luis Suarez is Premier League appearances or Dion Dublin's home some of the Hammer appearances. <laughs> That would have been a tough one. I mean, when Dan Dublin's remembered as a Holmes under the hammer presenter rather than a, a Premier League footballer, then that's the day. <laughs> so what was the question? Jamie Vardy and who? So Jamie Vardy's goals or Mark Overmars's Premier League appearances? Poor, well... No, I'm going to... Go on. I'm, I, well, I think Jamie Vardy's only been quite... Pr- Prolific in the last few seasons, and then realistically, how many games? How many goals? Twenty. So what? You're making eight to maybe ninety goals. So I'm saying Overmars has made more appearances. So I was going to go the other way around. So I, I, I don't think Overmars was actually in England for that long. You might head. He did go to Barcelona, sort of. So I'm going to go for Jamie. Jamie Vardy has been banging him in for a few seasons. I'm going to go for him. Uh, so Mark Overmars made 100 appearances and Jamie Vardy scored 99 goals. That's oh. Ross again. God, good at this. We should play this game more often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one should be easy enough for the pair of you. So we've got um, appearances by Fabian Bartes or goals by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Oh, that's tough. Go on, Simon. I'll let you do your reasoning first. I'm just going to back Ollie. Ollie's at the wheel. I mean, Barter's. Now, how many seasons of Barter's at United? Maybe not that many, was he? Two, three. Yeah, I'd say Solskjaer. It was Fabian Barter's. Fabian Barter's 92 oh. appearances, Solskjaer 91 goals. God, I mean, oh, there's a bit of a pattern here. There's only, there's only <laughs> ever a goal in it. Look, I put I put it together in five minutes. That's, that's the best I could get. <laughs> um, for the, we've got one for the Arsenal fans next. Any Arsenal fans listening? So we've got David Platt's appearances against Dennis Bergkamp's goals. David Platt's appearances versus Dennis Bergkamp's goals. Now, David Platt, I don't really remember David Platt as a player. So knowing how long he was at Arsenal for... Burkamp, though, I do. Mm, I'm going to say Burkamp scored more goals. Well, I, I'll go for David Platt because I think I don't really associate Burkamp as being a prolific goal scorer. Simon is off the mark. I, David Platt got 88 appearances, Dennis Burkamp 87 goals. Oh, so was it too all? Uh, no, it's Simon's first point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did you not get the last one? Oh, no, you went Solskjaer, didn't you? Oh, yeah, back Solskjaer. 
Yeah. Uh, next one we've got Quinton Fortune appearances versus oh. Chris Sutton goals. Quinton Fortune. I mean, what an underrated player. I loved Quinton Fortune when he was playing. Um, I mean... Did you? <laughs> did you not? I loved not every really. player in that, that era. <laughs> I always just thought he was an inferior Jesper Blomqvist. No, I, Quinton, I used to affectionately call him Quince. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I definitely wasn't on, on nickname terms with him. Oh, Quince is coming on. I used to be really happy when Quince was coming on. And he had a really big overbite as well, didn't he? With bottom jaw. And I used to think, I used to always think he looks like a bit, like, he didn't play like this at all, but I used to think he looks like he's going to be like a, a bit of an attack dog on the pitch. <laughs> but yeah, I used to like, I'm going to say Quentin Fortune made more appearances. I think Quentin Fortune was at United for quite a while on the slide. So I did a quiz last week with some people and um, Chris Sutton came up as a former Golden Boot winner. So I'm going to say he actually did score quite a lot of goals in the Premier League. I mean, he did go to Scotland for a bit, didn't he? But I'm, I'm going to go for, for Chris Sutton. Two points in a row for Simon. Chris Sutton, 83 oh. goals. Quint, Quinton Fortune, 82 appearances. Yeah, he deserved more Quinton Fortune. Whenever, whenever he saw Quinton Fortune, it meant that Ryan Giggs wasn't playing. Is that not what you always thought? Yeah, but I always... But the thing is, it, like, I was remembering, like, when I was watching the Last Dance documentary, it, it always happens. Every single athlete, it, it's, a, it's a pattern, isn't it? When they burst on the scene, you love them, you think you're amazing. Then they hit the peak. Apart from Ronaldo and Messi, like, you go, you start questioning them and having a go at them and thinking, oh, they're not as good as what they think they are. And then they get to the end of the career and you look back and go, no, actually, they're brilliant, weren't they? So I think at the time... Gigs, mate, like you're kind of like, oh, come on, Gigs. I expect you to be a bit better there. Quinton Fortune came, or Quince came in. <laughs> Quince came in. <laughs> and he always did a job, and I was always happy. But I always used to just like, it was always at the time when, like, I just used to be really excited by any, like, I didn't used to know about any um, transfers, who they were, or anything about them. So I always used to think, like, United have bought them, they must be good. <laughs> like that was my attitude United bought and they must be good so like even like when David Bellion came in must be good United oh, yeah. him, like I just had, being dead excited I had hopes for Bellion yeah. I thought he'd come good yeah like Jemba Jemba you just think God, they must be good if you decide for United <laughs> there must be a reason United have signed them and that was my whole so anyone who came in who was new and I was excited I was just excited about them I didn't I, and at the time when how, how old was he been when Quinton Fortune was playing 11 maybe 10 my football analytical brain probably wasn't what it is now to be able to tell you whether someone's crap or not. And when uh, when, da- t- when David Bellion came in, or, or as you were calling Dav, then uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean even even David Bellion didn't get a nickname from me, <laughs> so he must have been banned. <laughs> we always used to call in my house as well when Carol Poborski came on. We used to call him Auntie Carol. <laughs> He used to be affectionately known as Auntie Carol in our house. Oh, they're bringing Auntie Carol on. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. So what is it? Two all, Cheddar? It's two all, yeah. Right. How many have left? Four, uh, six left. Five left. Five. Right, ready for the next one? Yeah. 
So Mario Balotelli appearances in the Premier League against Brian Dean's goals. Now, I would say Brian Dean, I don't think played anywhere other than the Premier League, did he? I don't think he went to any other country. So he must oh, have been in the Premier League. He went off to Norway at the end of his career. Pop fact. Oh, yeah, but I'm talking about like prime years. Yeah, Brian yeah. Dean. Old, old Dino. <laughs> <laughs> so I think just like by the fact that he's been in the Premier League a long time he must have scored a fair number of goals like a clo- closing in a hundred so I and I don't think Balotelli as though like Balotelli was a I think although as exciting as and I mean he was a regular and feature in the show for a yeah Balotelli was in the Premier League yeah. although he brought as many moments I don't actually think he was there that long so I'm going to say Brian Dean I'm going to disagree with you again. I, I, I think Balotelli, he did pop up at Liverpool at one stage as well. And I, I just do not think Brian Dean was scoring that many goals. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to throw a bet out there. I bet there's one in it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're absolutely well, right. There is one in it. Um, is this the lowest, <laughs> the lowest scoring question yet? No. So before, oh. um, so before, before. Let me guess. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's in the seventies. Seventies, yeah. It is, it is in the seventies. You're absolutely right, Ross. Um, before I did this, um, I when I wrote this down, I thought Mario Balotelli didn't play for Manchester City for very long. So Balotelli played seventy games. I completely forgot up until twenty minutes ago that he even played for Liverpool. I was like, I was like, so he must have even played less for Manchester City than I originally thought because he played a season at Liverpool. Well, I- I'd forgot until Simon just said it, yeah. Well, I thought you'd forgotten. When you were giving your reasoning, I thought, I'm going to keep quiet about the Balotelli at Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, Brian, but Brian Dean did score 71 goals, so uh, uh, I think Ross took the yes. point. Get in. Uh, next three, one. What's that? Three. Yeah, back to 3-2 two, to Ross. Uh, next one, Paul Gascoigne Premier League appearances against Mark Hughes's goals. Oh, that's that's a. I think that's quite a tough one because I don't like. We didn't see the. The thing is, I remember Mark Hughes more at Chelsea than at United. From my age, I also remember. I remember watching Match of the Day and seeing him at Chelsea more, and not really understanding, like. Everything around everything that surrounded him. So I don't, I don't really know. Obviously, Mark Hughes was, was prolific, but I don't, I don't really know. What are you thinking on this, Simon? Well, so it's, uh, I'm a lot younger than you two, so I don't really remember either <laughs> of them as, as players. What I really remember of Mark Hughes is when he was managing Blackburn, and then every now and again there'd be a clip from the training ground of him pinging one in, and everyone would go, "Gosh, Mark Hughes wasn't he a great player?" Um, Gaz, uh, uh, two players that spent time outside the Premier League as well. Um, so it is a tough one. I'm going to go for, for Gaza. I mean, I feel like purely for the quiz sakes, I should go opposites. But I, yeah, no, actually, you know what? I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go Mark Hughes because I think Gaza had many issues, didn't he? And that must have hampered his appearances. And like you say, he's had time out. So, yeah, Mark Hughes. I've got Mark Hughes. Um, well, 
Gaza, well, the, the, I remember Gaza playing in Italy more than I remember playing in the Premier League until he came back. Didn't he came back and played for Everton? So I think that's yeah, what... that's my big memories because I remember the um, I remember him doing Abel Xavier. You know, remember him with a beard? Yeah, the big yeah. beard. I remember him doing the interview when Abel Xavier was saying he was leaving Everton, and Jim McGascoigne leaning out the window. And screaming, no, don't go, Apple, don't leave, and pretending to cry. That's my one memory of Gaza, and that was at Everton. And at that, when he went back to Everton, that was that was the latter days of his yeah, career, wasn't it? One of the first ever live football matches I went to was uh, Everton, Everton versus Bolton at the what was then the Reebok, uh, now the Macron. And it's a surprise you got into football, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I remember uh, Gaza, Walter Smith was managing Everton and um, he tried to take Gaza off midway through the second half and Gaza just refused. <laughs> and he stood there for five minutes and then eventually just took somebody else off instead. And we all thought, we all thought, we all thought Kepa Ariza Balagla was bad. Exactly, yeah. And, I, when that, when that story came up uh, last year in the, whenever it was in that League Cup final, I thought, I've seen all this before. <laughs> uh, well, Gascon made, made 66 appearances. Mark Hughes scored 64 goals. So, oh, there's two in it. You've changed. You've changed the oh. format. <laughs> no, nobody scored 65 Premier League goals. That's the problem. <laughs> Hughes only scored 64 goals. So Hughes only scored 64 goals in the Premier League. Yeah. Oh, surprised he's held in such high reference. <laughs> Yeah, so Simon takes the point. Well, there we go. Back to three all. Uh, next one is Lucas Podolski's Premier League appearances against Gianfranco Zola's Premier League goals. Now, I think this is a real one of Zola was all the what a wonderful player he was. I don't think he was very prolific at all. So I think this is a real one of. How how long was Podolski in at Arsenal? That's what I mean. I'm tempted to say that I think this is I think this might be the curveball question of the of the quiz, which would say that Podolski would would have made more appearances. I mean, because I don't really remember Zola scoring that often. The only real Zola goal I remember him scoring is that one from the corner where he like back heel flicks it into the corner. But I, I'm pretty sure that was in the FA Cup. It, well, it was because um, that was the goal that I'd written down for Chelsea when we were doing the goals thing. And then I realised it was an FA Cup goal, so we couldn't have it. Yeah. So I'm I'm very tempted to say, even though I don't think Podolski... Podolski was injured a lot. Oh, mm, gosh, I don't know. I, mm, who do you want? I'll let you have first dibs, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sort of agree with your analysis that it's going to be a situation where Zola... Uh, didn't score as many goals as he should have, and Lucas Podolski definitely played too many games in the Premier League. And I'm uh, I'm going to go for Zola's goals. Right, well, I go with Podolski. I was leading Podolski, so I'll go Podolski. It is Lucas Podolski. Sixty appearances, and Gianfranco Zola scored fifty nine goals. Hey, that's too low for Zola, isn't it? He should have scored more, shouldn't he? I mean, in the days they didn't really have no, they didn't really have attacking midfield. They didn't really set up in the same way then, did they? No, because they had two strikers. Because Zola would have been playing. 
Yeah, he would have been. A, he would have been a second striker, wouldn't he? I can't remember. His, yeah, Zola didn't play. Zola played with Hugh. The Ali would have been playing with. Yeah, Tori Andre Flo probably. Yeah. I think. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Question nine. The thing is, I, go on. The other thing, God, just going back when I used to watch Match of the Day as a kid, I always used to know it was Stamford Bridge because Stamford Bridge always used to be developing that end of the stadium. Yeah, I remember Liverpool. I was... never used to recognise. Never used to recognise any of the stadiums, but I used to always recognise Stamford Bridge because it always, it always the stand behind the goal would always be under development. I remember Liverpool losing four four two in an FA Cup game against Chelsea and, and on when it was on when it was on BBC One. Oh, I film strange reason I always remember that game. Uh, right, question nine is all about the K's. Uh, so we've got Jurgen Klinsmann's Premier League appearances against Harry Kuehl's Premier League goals. I'm uh, I'm going to back Klinsman. Klinsman's appearances? Yeah. Kiel can never have made... Kiel can never have scored more than 10 goals in a season. Yeah, but he had quite a few seasons at Leeds where he was decent. And then he went to Liverpool. He must have been all right there. He was not good at Liverpool. Uh, I'm... See, I'm tempted to say that Klinsman probably came back. Because where did Klinsman go? Because didn't he came back to Tottenham? No, so I think although Klins- didn't he? So how long was he with Sheringham for? The Klins- mm. I- I'm going to go Harry Kuehl. I reckon. I reckon that when Leeds were in the Premier League and it was Kuehl, Viduka, Smith. And who else did they have? When they got to the Champions Yeah, I think they were quite I think they were quite prolific. And I think Kuehl was a big part of that. So I'm going to say Kuehl. Simon, were you saying Klinsman? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's Ross. So Kuehl got yes. 57 goals. Klinsman got 56 appearances. God, my... I'm, I'm very happy with this quiz. Have you kept score, Cheddar? Yeah, I've kept score. Yeah, so you, you, you've, that was your, that was you for the win. Oh, boom! I'm happy. <laughs> it's, it's currently five three, so this is a bit of a dead rubber. But we'll we'll, we'll go anyway. We, I mean, friend of the show's in the, in the last one anyway. So we've got David Bellion's Premier League appearances. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Against uh, Dirk Kout's Premier League goals. Oh God! I mean, yeah. I must. I must. I mean, you could... this this was very random that David Bellion just popped up at, like on the next page of when I was actually scrolling through. I didn't. I didn't start the. I didn't start the quiz with David Bellion and Dirk Count work upwards. I mean, the thing is, you're saying that none of these are under fifty in terms of appearances. That's what you said at the start, wasn't it? So I'm yeah, yeah. surprised that David Bellion made that many appearances. To be honest, did he not go to Sunderland though? Yeah, I think he came from Sunderland. Oh, did he go to them? No, never. <laughs> Surely we didn't watch him in the Premier League and go, we need some of that. He, I think he was at a Premier League club before he came to United. Oh, was he not Fulham? It's always Fulham. It's, it's, always, always, it's, always, it's always Fulham. No, surely we'd never sign him from the Premier League club. <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> United... Don't, well, United... I, I, United always sign great players, Ross. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, he was probably maybe the one that started making me think, like, maybe United don't always sign great players. <laughs> like, maybe it's not always a reason why United have signed them. Oh, well, did, did Massimo Taibi not put you on that? Uh, no, because, I mean, I've been in there and things go through my legs occasionally, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I sympathise. <laughs> Uh, right, so so Bellion and who? Dirk Cow. Cow. I'm gonna go. I always just call Dirk Cow Dirka Dirka. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Dirk Cow. Well, I'm gonna end on from unison, and uh, in these troubled times, I think it's good for us to pull together at the end. And I'm gonna go Dirk Cow as well. He's got a hatchet at Old Trafford once. He did, yeah. Oh no, it was Anfield, but yeah. Um, oh yeah. Well, I mean, we earlier on in I think earlier on in the um, earlier on in the podcast, I think one of the uh, one of the the titles for the titles for the episode was David Bellion is never the answer. But unfortunately, on this occasion, David, <laughs> David Bellion is the answer. David Bellion, fifty two appearances, count fifty one goals. Wow! So Very well done. Have you got that at home? I've just I've just looked looked on David Bellion's. Uh, history. So he was on loan at West Ham, and then he went to United. Oof, on loan. So we we sat we signed him from Nice, but he played eight games on loan at West Ham the season before United signed him. Did he score a goal? Uh, uh, where are you seeing no. this? I'm, I'm on his Wikipedia page. Senior. Cr- yeah. Which way? Oh no no no! <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I've read it the wrong way. <laughs> Why have they start? I think it's all. Why have they, the... Why have they put the big numbers at the bottom? Put the big numbers at the top. <laughs> but yeah, he was at Sunderland before he came to Manchester United. How many games did he play? 20, 20 appearances, one goal. Oh, what did this? Was that one, one goal? Did... Sunderland did us up. Did... How much did we pay for him? <laughs> No, it was a time when Sunderland were ran, ran uh, a better financially. Yeah, just say, <laughs> one of Sunderland's best, uh, better transfers. Um, it said uh, com- receiving compensation of contra- £2 million. Pounds. Hey, gosh, that is... He scored one goal in 20 appearances. What were <laughs> you signing for? I mean, I mean uh, dare I ask, how many goals did he score for United? Well, four according to this, so... He- Quadrupled his output in twenty-four appearances, so in pretty much the same amount of appearances as well. It's got seven. Uh, it's got seventy goals. It, it's got it's what seven goals in nearly seventy games. Wow, we. <laughs> where did he go after? Where did he go after United? West Ham. No, yeah. then he went back to then he went back to Cannes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, well, according, according to Ross, he would have then gone to play under team football. I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he went back to France and then just stopped around there for a bit. Uh, Gosh, that's not. I mean, I I reckon I could score that many goals. Well, there was quite. Do you know what I mean? You know when you see these terrible players and you just think you've been paid thousands to basically turn up, have a bit of a kick around of the day, and then try and score. A goal. I could get a tap in in the United team four times. I'm sure. Well, but I'm yeah, start- it's coming back to me the reason why you won't like David Bellion. Because I do remember now, his one thing was that he was quick, wasn't he? 
<laughs> Do you think this is where my deep-seated hatred of just quick players began? He was a talented athlete competing in the 2001 National Indoor Youth Championships where he won the 60 metres. So, oh, yeah, there we go. Destined to be hated by Ross Smith. There was, quite, there, there was quite a lot of players that had scored 51 goals. I think Christine Benteke as well, but I thought I thought if I put Benteke in there, I thought I might give it away. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I enjoyed that. I thought it'd be a bit of a change. It mate, brought back a lot of um, match of the day memories, to be honest. Well, like, like I used so, to watch match of the day all the way through, as opposed to just uh, United or I'll watch this and then turn it off. <laughs> Well, we, we we might bring that back in a couple of weeks. We'll wait and see. Um, right, it's been an absolute pleasure, boys. Oh, yeah, pleasure. Enjoyed it. Enjoy the rest Everyone of your week. Stay safe. Yeah, we'll do. You too. We'll see you all soon. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouse podcast. Give it a like, give it a share, and let us know what you think on Twitter at Mank3. That's at M-A-N-C-T-H-R-E-E. And keep listening for more new podcasts every week.